Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit the Apex. As always, we're on the eve of the Chinese Grand Prix this week, second week of April, I think it is. Well, it's the 11th, it's a Thursday, which means I'm back to recording on a normal time, which means I'm back in good health as well, touch wood. Um, feeling a lot better than last week, of course. It sort of continued into this week, and yeah, just at one point I could not talk just because of how hard it was to breathe and whatnot but after all sorts of potions and remedies and bathing in all sorts of hot liquids and funny colored stuff I finally have my voice back and am ready to preview this Chinese Grand Prix for you which is going to be also the 1000th championship Grand Prix as well in Formula One history or is it but for argument's sake, we're going to say it is the thousand. Don't know why people are trying to rain on Formula One's parade here, but you know, you always have those people come out and want to um, push that over. Will it be a classic? Because China always seems to be a classic. Um, last year we had a great race there with Daniel Ricciardo winning and also breaking that stranglehold that Mercedes have on this race in the hybrid era having won all of them since 2014 and you know Dan as well just coming through the field his pass on Valtteri Bottas the famous line sometimes you've got to lick the stamp and send it um, and yeah popular win I'm sure for Red Bull and for Ricardo and the fans after that one but I guess on the current grid apart from Ricardo you've only got Hamilton and Vettel who've won this race before five times for Lewis Hamilton and uh, just the one for Sebastian Vettel which was actually his first Grand Prix victory back in 2009 so Hamilton I guess the form guy here but you know China's usually the scene for a lot of first career victories we've seen Vettel yeah Nico Rosberg as well back in 2012 so why not Charles Leclerc this time perhaps Ferrari tipped to have the form again this weekend. The long straights, they've said to have the power advantage as well. Um, could Charles come out and avenge his uh, win from Bahrain? That was taken away. Um, talked about it in detail last time, I guess, as much as I could um, with the, the voice limitations. But yeah, such a, a heartbreaking result. Such a heartbreaking result last week, but you know, he was quite strong coming out of it, and I'm sure this time out it'll be a lot different. Um, they're going to put the same power unit in the car for Leclerc as they did in Bahrain that had the problem, so the Ferrari have addressed it, fixed it, so you'd hope that it is going to be okay, um, and they have to do you know, they've got only got three power units per season anyway, so they've got to be conservative where they can. But at the same time, the performance we saw from Leclerc in Bahrain was just, yeah, peerless. So really the the onus will be on the other guys to pick it up. Though Mercedes, they've made it two from two this season so far and proved in Bahrain that they're there to pick up the pieces if uh, whoever's ahead of them are going to uh, fall apart. And they're leading the championship standings. Bottas still ahead in the 
Drivers' Championship. Hamilton's not too far behind, just a point, I think it is, in between them. And in the Constructors as well, they've got that lead. So you got to say, pressure... I wouldn't say pressure's mounting on Ferrari. More so, pressure might be mounting on Sebastian Vettel, given that Leclerc announced himself in Bahrain to be a contender. Um, Vettel... He's only had fifth twice this season, not even been on the podium yet. So, yeah, this is going to be a crucial race for him and his championship because if he's not going to be able to put himself up there, then, yeah, I'm sure if Leclerc has a great another great weekend, it could be he who is um, bothering the Silver Arrow guys for the championship or let we not even consider that it just is a Silver Arrows championship for the whole season. If Ferrari can't sustain themselves, if they're going to have problems throughout the whole season, which are going to hamper them. So, yeah, we hopefully don't want to see that from a competitive point of view. But, yeah, if it has to be, then you know that Valtteri Bottas is quite quick as well, even though we didn't really see it in in Bahrain. But um, between those two, I'm sure we can have an okay championship but anyway it's too early for that sort of stuff and we hope that we have a great battle again this weekend in China with the top teams. Red Bull though where are they? Are they with the leaders or just in between them and the midfield? Um, they were strong in Australia when Ferrari weren't. <clears throat> then in Bahrain they just seemed to be a bit a bit average given that we had Mercedes and Ferrari at the front and then they just with a fourth, I guess finished fourth with uh, Max Verstappen, Pierre Gasly again struggling through the weekend. He'll probably want to get some more points in that car. You know, it's not just worth eighth or ninth or or tenth. It's you know, top five car and a, a podium, a car capable of finishing on the podium as Max Verstappen um, demonstrated, but, you know, given the fact that they won here last year, if we have some kind of crazy circumstances, I'm sure Verstappen will be able to put himself up there, but it'll all come down to qualifying again, and qualifying as close to the front as possible, which, for Gasly, unfortunately, he hasn't done just at this stage, so, yeah, they're sort of in the middle of, I don't want to say nowhere, but just not quite there with Red Bull and Ferrari, sorry, with Mercedes and Ferrari, um, but far from the midfield, so, you know, that's not a concern at all, but, you know, Red Bull are Red Bull, I'm sure that they're going to turn up at, over the weekend and easily be with the top three guys. So, going into the midfield then, Renault said during the week that the start of season has fallen below expectations, I guess. That's no surprise given that they've just had one points finish out of two races, and that was Holgenberg scoring points in Australia. But Bahrain, the double disaster that they had with both cars retiring on the same lap at the end of the race too, and I guess the rotten luck that Daniel Ricciardo has, I don't want to say brought over from last year. I mean, this year it's a, it's a clean slate, it's a, a brand new season, but it's just started off in the same rotten way that it sort of finished last year and I really hope and I'm sure everyone else hopes that that can turn around for this weekend um Bahrain was just a disaster the strategy that he was on the one stop just wasn't supposed to work and then 
you know, just flailing around without being in the points and then just retiring at the end of the race with that electrical problem or whatever. Um, yeah, not not the ideal start, I guess, and a lot of noise going ar- a lot of noise going around too about you know about the decision to move to Renault and everything, and you know whether he should have left Red Bull and Red Bull sort of laughing at him or people laughing at him. Just I guess if th- all along this was supposed to be a long long term project or whatever, two races in, it's not the right time to be pushing the panic button I know it doesn't look good for the driver for the team that you know they've started off with two DNFs in a row but give it time I'm sure this season things are going to going to improve and this weekend could be could be the starting point and you know Ricardo's a driver who is a solid racer and we saw it from him last year here um, when he was able to make those moves to to get into the lead um, and shows no quarter. So, yeah, you know, we haven't really been able to see that just yet from him. But when we do in that Renault, when he acclimatizes properly, I guess, you know, it's it's going to be good. Remember, he is in a new team and in, in and in a new environment as well. And sometimes it does take time to, to adjust. But, um, yeah, you know, even the world champions take time to adjust into new teams it doesn't happen straight away so I'm sure we will see some improvement from them this weekend as long as they can finish the race and finish well score points you know because they've got the likes of Haas I guess who didn't have a really good race in Bahrain either but they'll be strong I'm sure they've got the one lap pace we saw so can they have a good race pace in China uh, McLaren, Alfa Romeo, so all these big names suddenly coming to the top of the midfield and with the way we saw McLaren perform in Bahrain with Lando Norris, you know, Carlos Sainz will be itchy to get some results on the board too, so, you know, you have two good McLarens, you've got the Alfa Romeo of Kimi Raikkonen, if Antonio Giovinazzi can get into the fray as well, and then Toro Rosso as well, quite strong, both drivers having scored points now with um, Kvyat and Albon, so you've got a lot to potentially happen there in the midfield, so for Renault who want to finish fourth in the championship, they're going to have to do a lot more to break free of those other teams that are currently really competitive, and we'll see a lot of overtaking this weekend, no doubt, Um, DRS was really powerful, people were saying, and debating after Bahrain because they have the three DRS zones there I think it's just the two this weekend in China so but at the same time it seems like these new aero rules have really allowed drivers to be able to follow each other a lot more and you know maybe DRS is unnecessary with making overtakes but you know if you have your two normal DRS zones I'm sure it's still needed at times um, to like a push to pass or whatever so I'm not gonna give a too heavy opinion on it just yet you know if it gets to the stage where overtaking becomes too easy and we get 50 overtakes a a race or like 50 overtakes a lap or something then it'll be a bit ridiculous but given the fact that last year everyone was saying how there is no overtaking F1's so boring you need to change something um, 
they changed something this year and now we're talking about, you know, oh, DRS makes it too easy, you got to take it away. I mean, what do people want? We know that Formula One fans and people around it can be a bit fickle, but they've done made an improvement to the product by simplifying the aero for the front end and that's allowed cars to follow each other a lot better. So I guess the lack, you know, we probably don't need three DRS zones everywhere, but just with two, I'm sure the overtaking will be fine, and we'll just see in China. We'll have enough overtaking to, I guess, satisfy everyone, but at the same time, it won't be too diluted. So yeah, plenty to play out in China, and also given the fact that it is the 1000th Grand Prix this weekend, this weekend, um, I thought I'd spend a bit of this podcast actually reflecting on not 1,000 Grand Prix because of course I haven't watched all 1,000 Formula 1 races ever, probably haven't even watched 50% of them to be honest, even though, uh, no, not even, I, I don't think so, um, and I, th- I started watching every Grand Prix, well I watched, my first full season was 2009, um, where I was fully invested and every practice session tried to stream it and qualifying the race, blah blah blah, and then every year before then, from sort of the early 2000s growing up, I'd watch, you know, a race here or there where I could, you know, if it wasn't too late night or whatever, if it was you know, like a Japanese Grand Prix, or the Australian Grand Prix, definitely, or whatever, but, yeah, you know, so many special races in the history of the sport, and you can talk about, you know, races like, you know, Donington 93, or whatever, Ayrton Senna's first lap, genius, you know, you can talk about a lot of Senna's races, Prost, and all that, Schumacher, so many, um, definitive races, you could talk about Japan in 2005 between um, Alonso and Raikkonen um, quite a lot of races to, to go over but I kind of want to focus on really the races in the last decade so since you know conveniently enough 2009 um, and the rise of the guys like Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton Max Verstappen when he came in in 2015, so, you know, probably some of the special, most special races, and I haven't gone through all of them, just a couple of selected, which were really great, you know, obviously, the Australian Grand Prix 2009, an important race for, um, because of Braun GP, and the fact that, you know, you know their story of how they came into the sport, basically born out of what was the old um, BAR Honda team, um, and not knowing whether they'd be on the grid for 2009, let alone coming out and winning the first race with a 1-2 finish, Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello. It's it's one of those fairy tale stories, and then eventuating it in the championship at the end of the year for the team, Constructors and Drivers Championship. So quite a special and defining race, the Australian Grand Prix 2009. You didn't know that they were going to come out and be so strong. And again, all down to that unique uh, double diffuser 
situation that Ross Braun, the genius, came up with. Um, and then later, I guess, Red Bull were to exploit that to their advantage over the next few seasons, helping them for four championships back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. <laughs> um, so 2009 Australia, yeah, a, a special race, definitely. Um, the Canadian Grand Prix, 2011, that's one to never forget either, given that it went for what well, was the longest ever Grand Prix in history for just over four hours or something with the rain delays and everything that would never happen now given the given the time frames that the races have got to be finished in even with red flag periods but back then it was not the case so we saw this long drawn out race with the red flag in the middle and given that we here um, on the east coast of Australia have to watch the Canadian Grand Prix at like four o'clock in the morning um, you know being up all night or whatever it was a bit of a stretch and you know it's suddenly like nine o'clock or whatever and the race is still going 9am in the morning um, but yeah I guess the end was totally worth it because we had Sebastian Vettel leading the race, it was the final lap, Jensen Button was all over his rear, but ended up um, ended up losing out, Sebastian just uh, went a bit wide, lost control of the car, and Button assumed the lead of the race, so yeah, it was a, a great outcome for McLaren and for, for Button, but I guess given the fact that Button had to make how many pit stops during the race, like four or five or something, a, a weird race for him, he came together with his teammate as well, um, you know, it was quite crazy that race, so yeah, that's definitely one that sits in the memory banks all these years later, a special race, then 2012, I got a few races from 2012 actually, um, you could pretty much say the whole 2012 season was a classic, but um, when we're talking about individual races, Valencia probably one of the best, you could say, that year, given the fact that it was a key race in the championship, Sebastian Vettel with an alternator failure was, was out, there was a problem, that was what the problems were for Red Bull that year, alternators um, continuously failing, and then Mark Webber as well in contention, but didn't quite get there. Um, you had Lewis Hamilton at the end of the race, uh, taken out by Pastor Maldonado being a bit too ambitious. And quickly with Maldonado too, I guess, the, the before the race, I guess a couple of races before Barcelona 2012 was quite important too. That were, For him winning that, and for Williams, it was Williams' last win in the sport up until now, but Valencia, yeah, the the first, the last time that we got to see three um, world champions out of, I guess, that calibre on the podium together, um, it was Fernando Alonso who won the race in emotional Alonso, um, Kimi Raikkonen second, and uh, Michael Schumacher finishing in third, which was his one and only podium for Mercedes in the since he made his comeback in 2010, um, and you know, given that 
that season he had so many opportunities that just because of the car or whatever or external issues he couldn't capitalize um valencia it was a rather special podium given that it's i guess the history of ferrari you know three different generations of ferrari drivers on the podium together schumacher i guess the the godfather of them with the championships he won kimi 2007 world champion and alonso i guess the champion that ferrari could not crown um eventually at the end of his tenure there in a couple of years time so exciting race and valencia was always canned for being a boring race i i used to hate it actually but 2012 and it was ironically its last year too um valencia really delivered Abu Dhabi that year as well, um, Kimi Raikkonen's first win since coming back to F1, that was a special race as well, um, a bit bonkers as well given that the championship was still in play between Alonso and Vettel, um, Vettel having to start the race from pit lane, made it up the f- grid, then back down the grid, up the grid, you know, having a few near misses. Um, through the race and everything but you know Alonso's look in the cool down room when he saw Vettel in there as well because it meant he finished on the podium was just priceless so Alonso thought he would have got some points um, got a bit of a margin between himself and Vettel in the point standings with one race to go but no there there he was so making Alonso's job a bit harder next time out in Brazil and um yeah with Kimi as well in Abu Dhabi I guess the leave me alone I know what I'm doing classic radio line came out there too so um yeah you know another great race altogether that I think I've watched about a few times been a while now hopefully this F1 archives thing can get its uh streaming act together and you know hopefully I can watch it uninterruptedly because yeah the last few races I've tried to watch on there the quality has been awful and this is only a race from a couple of years ago too so yeah and it keeps breaking out and no it's not my internet this time I could do a whole another podcast about my internet and everything but no this time it's it's fine so it's on f1 tv for to try and fix it and then the following race in Brazil um you know, the championship finale, a wet championship finale, Sebastian Vettel, we thought he was out at the start of the race, he was facing the other way with damage to his side pods, but, you know, miraculously he managed to come back, and he came back, finished on the podium, sorry, didn't finish on the podium, but, you know, managed to finish in the position he needed to to be able to score the points to beat Alonso. Alonso finished on the podium but wouldn't have been a sweet podium for him um, having been beaten by someone who thought we all thought would have been out of the race given the damage that he had on his car and all the attrition in the wet too so Force India were leading at one point you know Hulkenberg potentially on track to win his first ever race, stand on the podium for the first time, he ended up crashing out, DeResta crashed out, the other four senior driver at the time, you know, it was Hulkenberg and Hamilton that came together, so taking out one of the McLarens too, but in the end, Jensen Button 
went through to win what would be the last win for McLaren um, until now. So that's a long, long time ago now uh, since McLaren have won a, a Formula One race. So a, a special race there for that instance as well. Um, and Silverstone, I guess, the year after, 2013. Um, a weird race because it was where we had the whole Pirelli gate thing happen, the tyres exploding, you know, it's just one of those unique races that stands out in memory because it was so controversial, um, you know, given that it was so controversial, um, but we had a cracker of a race out front, Nico Rosberg versus Mark Webber, and Rosberg ended up holding off Webber for another win, um, we all know how good weather was around Silverstone. But, um, yeah, Rosberg coming through for the win that time. Um, but, yeah, the whole Pirelli tyre thing that year was the big uh, big thing. And Silverstone was sort of the tipping point where, you know, after the mid-season break, then I think they made those changes. And then Red Bull just went to dominate the next nine races. Sebastian Vettel win winning the next nine races, you know. So... It sort of ruined the championship a little bit that season, given that we had Mercedes winning winning races um, in the first half of the season, even though they weren't in championship contention. Um, Kimi Raikkonen on the podium regularly enough to keep himself in championship contention as well. Needed a few wins, and he had a few near misses. So, yeah, it was quite a, a key race. Not probably, you know the most memorable for the best reasons, but a, mo a very memorable race indeed. And then moving over into the hybrid era, I guess, 2014, it was, you know, a watershed year for Formula One, given that we're exploring this new technology that no one, um, well, I guess in the endurance World Endurance Championship they were doing it, but for Formula One it was totally down, a, a new path to go down, and then the whole argument about the noise and everything and which still some people complain about for some reason these days um yeah it was a it was a really big year and we had some really good races in there too um a couple of good races that i've actually written about for tomorrow um for an article i'm doing about my favorite five races of the hybrid era and bahrain of course you know, who can forget about that one, given the battle between Hamilton and Button, sorry, Hamilton and uh, Rosberg for the win. It was so close the whole time, the wheel-to-wheel -wheel action that we saw. And, you know, we all said, you know, if Mercedes are going to dominate this championship, you know, if they're this far ahead of the rest of the the um, competition, then, you know, what a, um, at least, you know, we've got, two drivers that can fight each other for the whole year and provide us um, provide us uh, entertainment in that way rather than, you know, relying on a Ferrari or Red Bull to, to be up there too. But, you know, it was quite entertaining seeing both those guys fight, you know, a precursor to what was to come later in that year and perhaps for the rest of their tenure together as teammates at Mercedes and Nico Rosberg obviously retiring at the end of the year in 2016 when he won the world championship in Abu Dhabi 2016 Nico winning the championship was quite a memorable race uh, an iconic 
race too. Um, the way that Hamilton led the race but was trying to back Rosberg into the pack to try and have him drop a few places um, so he would be able to score the points needed for him to win but that didn't happen in the end it was it was Rosberg's um, year 2016 to um, to take but going back to 2014 so Bahrain definitely one of those classic races uh, Hungary Hungary I watched it again the other day it's been a while um, race in the wet of course uh, crazy race in the wet we had a lot of retirements Force India's crashing into each other. We had Roman Grosjean crashing under a safety car for the first time, um, given that we all remember what happened in Baku last year. But yeah, it was his first time doing that was actually in um, Hungary 2014, where he crashed out in the, the twin-tusked Lotus. Um, the really weird car. Looking at those cars again from 2014, I was like, wow, that they look weird. Mercedes had probably the most attractive car that season, but all the others, I mean, Toro Rosso, it, uh, yeah, basically an, an, append, an appendage hanging off the end of its nose there, and, you know, Lotus with the twin tusks, it was like, please, let's not see that again. So, yeah, um, Jensen Button led some of the race, you know, even though McLaren stuffed up the strategy by leaving him out on the intermediate tyres. But, again, it was Daniel Ricciardo who came to the fore. Uh, Fernando Alonso was up there too, but ultimately he his tyres were well past their, their due-by date and he was not able to hang on to the lead of the race. Ricciardo won. Alonso hung on to second in the end from Hamilton, who had also... Um, went too far on his set of medium tyres, but I guess it was a really important race for Hamilton because starting from the pit lane, Rosberg started on pole position, and then during the race there was a bit of tension with the team because there were team orders telling Hamilton to let Rosberg pass because Rosberg was on a different strategy and was quicker than Hamilton at the time, but Hamilton didn't take any heed to it. Um, Rosberg had to stay behind or try to find a way to pass Hamilton, which he didn't do. Then a late stop, I guess, to put him on fresher tyres, saw him come back at Hamilton, but ultimately couldn't make the move needed to finish on the podium. So Hamilton finishing on the podium after starting in the pit lane, um, whilst Rosberg finished fourth, behind his teammate despite the fact that he started on pole position so a crucial race for that year's championship of course but yeah you know an entertaining race at that and who thought after 2016 when we had the first race in Azerbaijan that we would be calling Baku a classic and all the fans falling in love and with Baku and that Happened in 2017 when we had the really crazy race there with Daniel Ricciardo winning that one. Mercedes and Ferrari fighting each other. I guess it was Hamilton versus Vettel. Vettel under the safety car runs into the back of Hamilton, then swerves and hits him on the side as well, claiming that he brake tested him. Then Ham Vettel was given a penalty. Hamilton had his loose headrest, and Vettel still found a way to finish ahead of Hamilton. After that, but we had Lance Stroll on the podium, Valtteri Bottas pipping Stroll for second across the line, despite the fact he was actually a lap down at the end of the first lap. So, 
so many crazy narratives in that one that came back and gave us this really really good result at the end of the race and a really satisfying one for people who you know at the at first just didn't like the idea of Baku but you know last year as well was a great race there heartbreaking I guess for Valtteri Bottas to to lose the win there but you know Baku's just been entertaining ever since and I guess rounding out you know some of those favorite races we've seen Silverstone last year was really good between the top guys we had two Mercedes two Ferraris fighting each other on track wheel to wheel going through Maggots and Beckets it just makes for some of the most spectacular driving that we've seen Sebastian Vettel won on a day that it mattered for him and Ferrari and for the championship Lewis Hamilton forced to have to recover through the field to finish on the podium after a first lap uh, incident with Kimi Raikkonen and Raikkonen as well after a 10 second penalty for that incident still finishes on the podium so it just shows you um, class wins at the end of the day and speaking of Kimi Raikkonen winning at the end of the day well he got that win he wanted in um, in Texas the first and last win I guess for Ferrari since he came back to them in 2014 it's it was quite sad that it took this long for him to to win a race and also towards the end of that tenure but at the end of the day it was a great race um he decided to stay out when Lewis Hamilton came in and ultimately was able to make his tires run longer only made the one pit stop and was able to cruise home to the end whereas Hamilton with pressure I guess to wrap up the championship um you know had to then fight Verstappen at the end of the race which you know in the end he thought better of it said right let's just take it on to the next race in Mexico whereas Vettel again having another scrappy weekend I guess the tale of his second half of the season where you know Monza, Suzuka and then again in Texas where he he just spun trying to overtake a car Um, this time it was Daniel Ricciardo he didn't I don't even know if they touched but Vettel just coming down alongside him and just spins. Crazy. And we've seen it already again this season in Bahrain. With uh, when he was going down to down to turn one. Um sorry, coming out of turn two against Hamilton, just spins the car. Uh, anyway. Frustrating. Frustration is a part of Formula One, but that's also why we love it because that's what sport is. Sport's not always going to be, you know, rosy. It's not going to always give you the result that you want for for your team that you support or your favorite athlete or your driver, blah, blah, blah. But we all love sport for the theater of it, I guess, and the excitement that it brings. So. You know, whilst every race might not be a classic, you know, we do still watch them. You know, we still appreciate them for what they are. And given that Formula One is a world championship that's run over an entire season, it's like, you know, almost like watching your favorite TV show where not every episode's going to be great, but there's going to be crucial parts, you know, crucial episodes where things happen that, um, will have a a say in what is the ultimate conclusion and you know that's I guess 
part of why I like F1. These are some of my favourite races, I guess, over the last decade. There's so many more that I could list as well, but I don't want to just sit and recount all of them. And you guys are more than welcome to share as well if you've got any favorite if you've got any favorite races um doesn't have to be the past decade um decade only because we can narrow it down if i say what's your favorite races of all time you know then you we're going to be going into different eras and comparing different drivers but you know just keeping it to the decade keeps it simple in a way but at the same time we're just so lucky in f1 to have such a rich history with such an amazing roster of drivers and world champions, such iconic teams and having gone to such iconic locations in the world as well. It's it's pretty breathtaking and, you know, China again will just be another chapter of this great sport and, you know, it might just be another Grand Prix for some, but yeah, you know, we will see it as the 1000th in the history, so hopefully... It does come with a good result and also an exciting race to go with it. So supercars as well then um, this week. We had supercars last week, supercars this week. Back-to-back supercars, I love it. We don't really get a lot of back-to-back weekends in on the supercars calendar, I guess, because they do like to take their time and just cost-wise as well, getting everything from one place to another, but I guess coming up from Tasmania to Phillip Island is not too far, given, well, you still have to come into Melbourne and then drive out to Phillip Island, but um, yeah, you know, good to see the momentum of the championship building, but also going back to Tasmania, let's talk about that, and the Holden teams notch up their first polls, and also the first win of 2019, and Still, regardless of that, we had Scott McLaughlin win on Saturday, so I guess the Shell V Power team probably laughing at the rest of the competition, saying, you know, you might have have, um, taken away our, our weight advantage, but we still got a fast car, we can still win races, and I guess on Sunday, you know, a qualifying, the qualifying error, I guess, for Scott sort of put them back and couldn't contend for the win and um, Shane Van Gisbergen breaking that drought of Holden wins in the Sunday race and just had the superior pace all day, was able to run wheel to wheel with Fabian Coulthard and Scott McLaughlin but ultimately was just quicker Um, but yeah, still winning on Saturday was quite important for Scott, seven wins from or six wins from seven races sorry it was um, quite an impressive start to the season, still leads the, the championship, but what was more, I guess, touching and a bit emotional, I guess, well, I wasn't emotional, but I was pretty happy for him, um, Mark Winterbottom, first pole position since 2016, but more crucially, I guess, first for pole position for Team 18, so, you know, the Charlie Schwerkolt team that became a sort of independent, I guess, back in 2016 when they broke free of their Walkinshaw alliance, um, you know, they've just struggled since then, um, and Lee Holdsworth, of course, leaving the team at the end of last year, and Mark Winterbottom coming on board, got new title sponsor, and new, well, not new engineer, but they pulled out Phil Keed, who used to be Fabian Coulthard's long-time engineer, 
and a whole new operation basically a, a closer alliance with triple eight um technically as well the car that frosty's driving at the moment is an old wind cup car from last year so we've already talked i've already talked about them a couple of times this year how they've been quicker than triple eight at, at a few points this season but um you know for them to break through for that po- first pole position and it was just so agonizing that they missed out on the podium too Shane Van Gisbergen even said after the race that he felt so bad having to take away that podium from them because it would have meant so much for those guys to to have that result given that they've not had a podium result in the entire history of that team so but you know, given that they showed that speed already this early in the season, they're only going to get better from here, and hopefully Phillip Island, we see them there again. Their target coming into the season, they said, was to finish top 10 in the championship. Winterbottom is nestled into 7th at the moment, so, you know, looking pretty handy there, and, you know, getting those top 10 results in the races, finishing top 5 where they can, it's all going to count towards the end of the day, and, you know, they're going to be targeting winning maybe those big races towards the end of the year, your, your Sandowns, your Bathursts uh, in the Enduros, and given the fact that Frosty is paired up with Stephen Richards, who last year won Bathurst with Craig Lowndes, and these two have won Bathurst together before as well, Frosty and Richo. So, you know, a formidable little lineup there. And with that car only improving every race, yeah, you know, these guys will be a threat. So really good to see um, those guys, the independent team, uh, or sorry, the customer team, notch up that first pole position for Holden in 2019. And then, of course, unfortunately couldn't make it onto the podium. So, yeah. But we had Coulthard scoring a pair of podiums, um, important for his championship points as well. He's up to second now. Chas Mostert was the biggest loser, dropped from second to sixth in the weekend. He was twice finished in 10th, but just had no quality speed. They had the better race pace, but not having that quality speed, I guess, was quite crucial for them. Uh, Jamie Wincup still third in the championship despite a messy weekend he had a poor quality he had poor quality in both races and then in race seven um had an off and i think came home at the rear of the field and i think finished inside the top 10 in the second race so you know not the best for him that weekend but i guess for van gisbergen it was a it was a good weekend and for for triple eight to get the first their first win of the year as well um would have been encouraging especially now that we're supposedly on a level playing field with the the weights and the uh, balance uh, not balance the not balance the performance that's for gt racing but yeah with the parity and all that and i guess philip island will probably be more representative this weekend of those changes that they made after that center of gravity test um Reynolds David Reynolds first podium of the year as well for Erebus um on Sunday in Tassie so you know a bit of a slow start for them Uh, a lot of people had them as dark horses for this year's championship you know early days yet but you know getting on the podium I guess a key result and gear issue sadly cost um Anton Di Pasquale a, a career best finished of seventh on Sunday too so you know those guys finally clicking into gear as well coming into it so expect them to be strong 
as well this weekend in Phillip Island. But I said this last week after we had the outcomes of that um, center of gravity test, Phillip Island will be probably where it's more definitive. And don't be surprised if Scott McLaughlin comes out and dominates the weekend because he likes this circuit, that car likes this circuit, you know, I guess, you know, regardless of whether they have the advantage or not, they could be really strong, and that will be very telling for this year's championship, and I am, I know I'm repeating myself from last week, but after all the hoo-ha about these weight changes, if, you know, they do go on and continue to win races, and to be better than Triple Eight, then, you know, that's going to be probably the probably be the defining tale of the the 2019 supercars championship so yeah keep it um keep an eye on it this weekend chinese grand prix moto gp as well um from austin texas that's going to be an early one monday morning if i can be bothered getting up um but other than that i guess i'm just happy to be talking again and not being not having to stop every 20 seconds so that's exciting, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of excitement for the Chinese Grand Prix this weekend. So, until then, I um, hope you guys have a good week. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the races, um, and I'll be back next week to wrap up all the weekend's highlights and talk whatever comes out of the Chinese Grand Prix weekend. But, until then, thank you very much, and see you next time.